Hello everyone, it is me, Anna, and welcome to the 11th episode of my podcast, Your Favorite Young Adult Bookworm. I hope you are all doing alright. This week I'll be retelling Rune and Rising by Lee Bardugo, the third book of the trilogy of Shadow and Bone. I recommend you to go listen to my episodes on the first two books before listening to this one so it makes sense. I am two books away to finally be able to watch the TV show on Netflix. I am so excited about it. Um, Before diving into this week's episode, please rate, share, and subscribe to my podcast if you are liking it. It will help me out to reach more young adult book fans. A small reminder that you can find me on Instagram too at your favorite young adult bookworm, just like the the title of this show. The book begins where it ended, more or less. Alina is at the apparatus lair in the White Cathedral underground. She still can't summon light, her hair is still white, and she still looks like she is dying. It has been several months that have gone like this. She can't see her friends anymore. The apparatus says it's for her own good. She's only allowed to see Genia from time to time in the kitchen, so she makes her look like less less like she's dying only a few people know that she can't summon light they put on a show with grisha who can control fire so it looks like she can summon light for her fanatics you know like to look powerful but like she can't summon light one day when she went to visit Genya in the kitchen, the apparat arrives with all her Grisha friends and Mal. He tells her that they were planning to break her out and they were going to hand her to the Darkling. Alina's like, I don't believe you. She makes the shadows dance since she has some remnants of the Darkling's power. Everyone freaks out. This is enough distra- distraction for Mal to open the vents and light comes from it. Alina grasps, grasps the light and can summon again. After months, she finally feels like she's not dying because she can use her powers now. And well, as soon as she gets her powers back, she goes basically like, it's over for all of you bitches because the main bitch, aka me, is back. She puts on a show for her fanatics so they take her side. She plays her saint role. She tells the apparat she is leaving that same night after the prayers and she's taking her Grisha with her. Well, the ones who want to go with her, of course. She's not forcing anyone. Before leaving, Alina makes the abrupt promise that he will take good care of her fanatics and will not make the kids get tattooed her symbol. So a sun in their faces because all her fanatics have their symbol tattooed on their faces because hashtag fanatics. Before leaving, Alina goes to her room and tries to connect with the Darkling and visit him like he used to do it in the last book. She manages to do it. The Darkling is like, mm, what a great pupil. You have been busy, Alina, although you look like really bad, but like, wow, impressive. They talk for a little while. The tension, guys, the tension. There was so much hate, but also desire. It was so intense. It was a good scene. Sincerely, the Darkling, even if he's really evil, he makes Alina's life more interesting compared to Mal. He's kind of boring lately. It's not to throw shade, but like, come on. And well, it takes them several days to be able to escape the tunnels. But just before escaping, some Grisha from the Darkling exploded the tunnel. His Grisha have been making the tunnels explode because you know the Darkling and his anger issues when he does not have Alina. But well, Alina and her Grisha make it out because teamwork makes the dream work. She almost lost two Grisha, Sergei being one of them, the Grisha who was against her taking over the Darkling in the previous book. My dude, Sergei, 
Gay is kind of losing it, by the way, after the attack of the Darkling in the previous book. So he's kind of like a liability by now. When they make it to the surface, they make a camp in the middle of the woods. Tamara is sent to the nearest town to see if she has any news about Nikolai, but there are none. They need to plan what to do. They can't all go looking for the third amplifier. It will be too dangerous. There are like too many people in that group. Alina goes to tell Tamara's news to Mal, who was refreshing himself in the small river there. They have their little dramatic moment of Mal being like, I won't fail you again, Alina. I now understand we can't be together, you are too great for me and I was an ass in the last book, I know but I now understand it was because of my insecurities you did nothing wrong and I was like, facts good thing you realize it, Mal and Alina goes like you did not fail me, Mal, don't say that, and they kind of both realize they can't be together because she's meant to be a queen and he's just a normal guy, and I was like finally you realize it guys now please go marry Nikolai he's amazing and if you have to end up with someone Alina it better be him and well as they were having their dramatic moment at some point Mal turns and Alina sees his big ass tattoo because my man Mal whose coping mechanisms are not the healthiest well he decided to get a gigantic tattoo covering all his back and yes to the people who listen to me and know me in real life yes I also get tattoos when I have a life crisis but I don't get all my back tattooed and get the sentence I have become a blade because I know I should be a blade for my beloved and not her lover because I am just a peasant while she's a saint I had seen memes about Malsatu and I was like, it can't be that bad. But when I saw it, or well, I read it, I understood. I was like, oh my gosh, Mal, you're so dramatic. I can't. And dramatic, not in a good way. But well, you do you, bro. And well, these two lovebirds were so into their suffering and accepting not being meant to be that they do not hear people coming. They get ambushed. Their attackers plan to hand them to the Darkling. And then a guy is like, why don't we give them to Prince Nikolai? I've heard he's extremely handsome and way funnier. And the chief of the ambushers is like, what the fuck? Who said that? And bam, Nikolai and his men come out. They kill the ambushers and they save Alina and her friends and then Nikolai takes them to his base in the mountains. There, Nikolai makes his dad abdicate. He pardons partially Genia for poisoning his father, although, like, he's a bastard son, but, like, his father. (laughs) Elena meets with Bagra, who finally agrees to train her again, since Nikolai promised her to kill Elena if she goes to power crazy like her son. And, well, now Elena's powers are stronger. She legit used use the cot on a mountain like she caught the mountain Alina's back at being the bad bitch she is we love this at some point Bagra confesses that she's the daughter of the dude who created the amplify the amplifiers like the three of them so the most powerful Grisha in the existence before them she also tells her about her childhood so basically her dad was Grisha her mom was a normal person they were a happy family and stuff until Bagra's power started to show to sh- uh, so it was like shadow summoning ever since then her mother will not stand her she thought of her to be an abomination she only loved her 
a younger sister who was a normal kid. One day, the younger sister wanted to play with Bagra's favorite toy. Her mom took it from Bagra, who got angry at this as any young kid would, but this was not a normal kid, so out of anger, she used the cut on her sister. She did not mean to do so, but she did. When her dad came back, he used his Grisha powers to basically bring back to life the kid, and then the entire town was like, mm, this is uh, witchcraft. Let's kill the dad and the kid who should have died. So they threw them into the river. Bagra left with her mom, who didn't care to leave, so she died. She then became a badass Grisha, gave birth to the Darkling, who obsessed over his grandfather's work, which ended up badly with the fall created by the Black Heretic, aka the Darkling himself. Later on, Elena goes to visit the Darkling again. This time, he tells her he's going to attack West Ravka, cutting them out from their allies. He also tells her that he can now cross the fold, since David forgot some of his journals there, so now he can create some lamps that he turns on by summoning light, since he can summon a little bit of light, just like Elena can summon the shadows a little bit. So he kind of doesn't need her that much anymore. Elena's like, fuck... Essentially, I do not know how she did not see that one coming. Obviously, he was going like he's able to summon a little bit of light. She keeps underestimating him. A big mistake once again. Elena meets with Nikolai to let him know they do their plans and stuff like that. He later on calls her to show her a meteor ring and gives her the emerald ring, the one of the queen. He also tells her that after they defeat the Darkling, he's gonna propose to her again. And she's like, okay, since Mal and Elena already gave up the idea of being together, since they know now they are not meant to be. And on the one hand, I was like, sincerely, finally. But on the other hand, I was like, you are weak, guys. This is how you fight for your love? This is why I see more people being Team Dark Lena. At least he does above and beyond to get her back all the time. He always fails, but we can all agree he's persistent and he doesn't stop fighting, but well. And well, when Nikolai, Elena, and their crew were planning stuff, the Darkling attacks them out of nowhere. His monsters come from the sky. They are all surprised by this ambush. Then one of the monsters kind of infiltrates Nikolai's body. His veins and eyes go all black. He's half him and half a monster. The Darkling is like, well, 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 look at your little prince, Lena. It is just a matter of time before he starts feeding on his friends. Also, you may be wondering, my dear, how did I know where you were? You can thank Sergei. He betrayed me first and now you. Do you want to do the honors or shall I? Alina goes like, I am not going to kill him and don't you dare to kill him. And he goes like, okay then, as you wish. And then he orders his monsters to kill him. They are all surrounded again. There is no way out. There are too many monsters and Alina, even with two amplifiers, can kill them all. And to this, Bagra enters the battlefield with her kid servant there. Uh, The Darkling goes like, do not meddle, mother. Go to your room and I will keep you safe. And she's like, enough. And because she can also summon shadows, the monsters also obey her. She tells her kid servant Misha to go to Mal. And then she jumps out of the window and all the monsters follow her. But before doing so, she tells Alina once again to run. And for once, she listens. 
Alina gets away with her friends. They manage to escape, but Adric, one of Alina's Grisha, loses his arm in the battle. It is not relevant to the plot. This character is not relevant at all. Either, to be honest, I mentioned him to add some spice since not much has happened so far, and well. They are all super angry that Sergei betrayed them, but sincerely, I don't even know why. He lost it a little bit after the last battle in the previous book, so no big surprise here. I had the feeling he was gonna betray her eventually, and he did. In the airship in which they escape, David teaches Alina a new trick she can do with her powers. She can make stuff invisible, but by not letting light reflect on stuff, you know, basic physics. And in times like this is when I'm glad I specialized in sciences in high school, just so I will understand this kind of stuff in books. They finally land. They separate into two groups. Some are going to stay there and find somewhere to hide, and others are going to go with Alina and Mal to go look for the Phoenix, so the third amplifier. On the search for the third amplifier, nothing much happens. It was actually pretty boring. I was like, can you just find the Phoenix already? Because I am bored right now. I felt just like Zoya. She kept complaining about being bored, and I was like, big mood. And even though she was a bitch in the previous two books, I am getting fond of her. She reminds me of Evangeline from the Red Queen series. <laughs> Go listen to those episodes if you haven't already. Zoya also says Alina is stupid for preferring boring poor Mal over funny amazing and extremely rich freaking king of Ravka, Nikolai. Sincerely, this girl gets it. Besides, she is badass and beautiful. She's now my favorite female character in this book. You all know I love my girl Alina, but in this book she is lacking. She is not as funny and she's whining all the time about Mal and her not being meant to be exasperating. And well, after days of looking, they finally find the phoenix. Alina was about to fall from the cliff and the phoenix was about to eat her. But Mal catches her by her wrist. And then there is this surge of power coming from her. He lifts her up. The phoenix goes away. And there's when they realize Mal is the fucking third amplifier. And to this, I was like, what the fuck? And Alina goes like, yeah, this makes a lot of sense. The first time I used my powers, it was with Mal. There and stuff and I was like bullshit this is straight up bullshit so you're telling me that after years spending together after years of being besties and him obviously touching her fucking wrist mostly after she discovers her powers they never realize he amplifies her powers he has been her personal guard since the last book he touched her wrist more than once and not once she realized it Come on, this is ridiculous. I was pissed. First a tattoo and now this. But well. They tell the others and then they return with the ones they left behind. They announce the sad news. Molly's like, kill me, Alina. It is fine. You are meant to be more than me. I was meant only to help you out in this. It's, my, it's me fulfilling my duty. And she's like, no, we are going to find another way. And I was like, ridiculous. This is ridiculous. Oh, and I forgot to mention how this came to be. So they realized that the Darkling's grandfather made his second daughter daughter, the third amplifier, when he saved her. This means that they survived after being thrown into the water and Mal was the descendant of the girl, meaning Mal is the long-lost cousin of the Darkling. Alina thought maybe the, she was the descendant of the other girl and that is 
like that the other girl was the sun summoner or something but no it was freaking mal i guess the other had to give him something the darkling is the most powerful grisha nikolai is the king and he's hilarious so i guess mal had to be something other than a commoner and alina's best friend from childhood Back with the others in their hiding spot, they tell Alina news came that the Darkling attacked her hometown where the Grisha children were sent to be safe and trained. She connects through the dark, uh, like through her link with the Darkling with the darkling he shows her the corpses of the professors he tells her he's expecting her in the fold in five days you know for a date and he's taking the kids with him if she does not come he will kill them and then my man mr evil says and i quote i will strip away all that you know and all that you love until you have no shelter but me good old the darkling he's something else i swear and he's like bye see you in five days dress nicely for a date and well alina and her friends make a plan alina's gonna make them invisible zoya and nadia are going to master sound and stuff but mal makes alina promise that if everything goes south to kill him and defeat the darkling with the amplifiers i forgot to mention but some of her fanatic soldiers came to help in this last battle it is finally morning. They go into the fold. They are all invisible thanks to Alina. They're fighting there. Nothing much happens in this battle. I think it has been the most boring so far. The Darkling tells Alina how stupid she is once again. He obviously did not bring the Grisha kids. He was not going to sacrifice Grisha children, obviously. And I was like, sincerely, Alina, you should have known. It was obvious, but well. She gets shot. They're all losing. Mal comes to her and goes, like kill me it's the only way she stabs him in his heart she has three amplifiers together finally although i do not understand why he just didn't put his hand on her wrist and become the third amplifier but whatever there is light coming from her and then her fanatic soldiers start to emanate light they all become light summoners she calls for help tamar and toya come she tells them to resurrect mal and they start working on that the darling goes like what the hell is going on and then alina tries to summon light and she freaking can't by putting the third amplifier she lost her powers it was given to the people so her fanatics and the darling is like no this is impossible we were meant to be together you were my counterpart and she's like no and then she takes the, the knife she used to kill mal with and she literally backstabs the darkling he tells her he does not want to die alone and asks her to stay to say his true name alexander over and over again until he dies now i have many opinions on this one this is the stupidest thing ever i am beyond pissed she's li she literally kills the evilest guy ever with the dagger he has trained all his life and she kills him with a dagger there was no epic battle no nothing she just goes and stabs him in the back not even in the front the back also didn't she say she loves mal more than anything in the world why is she holding the darling while he's dying instead of being with mal who is being resurrected like she killed 
smiled and all good, you know. I didn't see her suffer that much, to be honest. She was, like, not next to him. She was next to the freaking Darkling. Besides, after killing Mal, she was more preoccupied about her powers not being there than killing her so-called soulmate. And I mean, I get it. I will have been more preoccupied for my powers, but that ju is just me being, like, a cold-hearted bitch. But, like, she's not a cold-hearted bitch, so I just feel it's kind of funny since she kept saying she loved Mal above anything else and well she loses her freaking powers like what the fuck why does she lose her powers I leave her bad as super powerful Alina and now you're telling me she's back to be a common girl what kind of bad joke is this but I still had hope guys I hope she will get them back this that, that this was just temporary but she never gets her powers back but well, back to the story. As the darkling dies, the fall disappears. Nikolai, who was there helping them fight the monsters, returns to semi-normal. Some of his veins are still black, but all good if not. Alina tells them she wants to tell everyone she died there with the darkling. They all support her. So then she retires to her childhood home uh, with resurrected Mal. They get married. They change their names. Like, it seems like they died. They open the orphanage again. They take good care of the children. Um, and their Grisha friends come to visit them often. Nikolai comes too. They even left her a blue kafta with a note saying he will always be one of us. And the end. That's it. I cried, guys. I cried out of frustration with this ending. Like, what the hell is this bullshit of Alina losing her powers forever? Like, this was not only the least interesting book of the trilogy, but the Darkling's death is pathetic. And now Alina loses her powers forever? What kind of sick joke is this? I am still not over this ending. Just talking about it makes me want to cry out of frustration again. Book 1 and 2 were really good. A lot was going on. The action scenes were super interesting. I was unable to stop reading. I was so into what was going to happen next. The third book is not like the others. I feel it is lacking in so many levels. I am deeply disappointed. I'm frustrated. Ugh. I liked so much the first two books. I fell in love with many characters. Ugh. They deserved better, mostly the Darkling. He's an amazing villain and his death was beyond lacking. It was straight up stupid, a dagger. I can't, I swear, I am so, so disappointed. This is so frustrating. It is just like Warstorm all over again, the last book of the Red Queen series. I hate this. I love both series so much, but the last books were just terrible. My friend Catherine feels the same way. So I am not the only one. I am so frustrated. I swear. Now I am I'm in a bad mood again. It's just like, oh, and well, I will obviously not going to give this book the same rating as the first two. No more four out of five stars. This book for me is a 1.8 out of five stars. I'm so disappointed. This is the second time I finished an episode on a sour note. I don't like this, but well, it is what it is. Let me know in the comments on my, in my Instagram at your favorite young adult bookworm. What do you think of the ending of this trilogy? Do you agree with me or do you think this 
book was as good as the other two. Also, do not forget to subscribe, rate, and share if you liked my show. I'll see you next week. I will be retelling A Court of Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Maas.